0: Hey folks, I'm Jeremy. And I'm John. And we are Pomecast. Breathing life into pulmonary and critical care core content.
1: Here at PoemCast, we believe in a brain protective strategy. Delivering information at 6 megabytes per kg. Y'all
0: are so nerdy. <laughs> so take a deep breath. We are diving in.
1: <laughs> that wasn't terrible. no. Hey there, Palmcasters, and thank you for tuning in. We're back at it with another episode of Palmcast. Today we'll be shifting gears out of the ICU and into our namesake specialty, pulmonology.
0: Treating well-selected patients with VTE at home without admission is something our group has discussed on and off for the last several years.
1: In 2016, ACCP released a new update to their comprehensive VTE guidelines. One of the main points in the new guidelines is the following, and I quote... In patients with low-risk PE whose home circumstances are adequate, they suggest treatment at home or early discharge over standard discharged, for example, after the first five days of treatment.
0: The previous recommendation from the ACCP in 2012 was a standard five-day of admission for PEs with the caveat that some could be discharged
1: early at two days in, quote, low-risk PE patients. The British Thoracic Society also supports this in their 2003 guidelines, They suggested that outpatient treatment of pulmonary embolism can be considered under three specific circumstances. Number one, the patient is not unduly breathless. Number two, there is no medical or social contraindications to discharge. And number three, there's an efficient protocol in place.
2: Unduly breathless. I like that. Sounds like it will be a great title for an R&B album.
0: (laughs) A PESI score has started being used more and more, specifically the S-PESI, Simplified Pulmonary Embolism Severity Index. Low risk of death is a score of zero.
1: Ah, the S-PESI. Again, that is Simplified Pulmonary Embolism Severity Index. Um, The components are six, and they are age greater than 80, a history of cancer, chronic cardiopulmonary disease, tachycardia with a pulse greater than 110. Uh, systolic blood pressure less than 100, and SpO2 less than 90%, basically if the patient requires oxygen.
0: Let's take a quick dive into a couple of studies. An interesting study came out in the American Journal of Medicine in 2016 by Dr. Stein, titled, Home Treatment of Pulmonary Embolism in the Era of Novel Oral Anticoagulants.
1: So this was a retrospective cohort study that looked at patients older than the age of 18 with an acute pulmonary embolism. It took place across three emergency departments from 2013 to 2014 in my hometown, Michigan, as well as in Ohio.
0: A total of 983 patients were seen in the EDs with PE. Of those, 237 were ineligible for home treatment due to stability and oxygen requirements.
1: I guess you could say they were unduly breathless?
0: You could say that.
1: Of the 746 patients who were potentially eligible, only 13 were actually selected for discharge home from the ED, while the rest were admitted.
0: And 119 were discharged in less than two days, so the vast majority were kept longer, 651 to be exact.
1: I guess I find this surprising in the era of NOACs. For our listeners out there, that's novel oral anticoagulants which are not really that labor-intensive to prescribe, like, say, Coumadin or Heparin Drip, why did the author think that he had these findings?
0: He felt there are potentially too many scoring devices. PESI, S-PESI, Geneva, multimarkal models, and none are widely accepted as the primary scoring device.
1: To discuss this topic further, we thought we'd bring on one of our more opinionated intensivist, Jermaine Jackson. He has an interest in PE controversies and has had one since his time at Duke. With our group, he's been on just about every committee for positive change since our group's existence. I think it's worth mentioning that he has one of the most extensive and stylish sock collections in existence.
0: So, Jermaine, what are some other reasons people
2: haven't bought into this fully yet? Well, as you know, old habits die hard. Uh, as the saying goes, it's hard to teach your old dog new tricks, you know, and this is a common issue we see in medicine every day. You can, a lot of, you can look at a lot of the standard things that are being done. A lot of that data came out many years ago, but it's just now being implemented into everyday practice. And this is very difficult for a lot of practitioners to change their old practice ways, especially if they haven't kept up with the most recent guidelines, such as those presented by the ACCP regarding home PE therapy.
1: So the now very old mantra of keeping all pulmonary embolism patients for five days is definitely out of the window in the books. But it seems like it's not out of actual practice in the hospital. Can you comment on why you think that is?
2: Well, I think there are multiple issues that we have to look at. First of all, I'm a big believer that we actually have more experiences with pulmonary embolism than we actually know. So, for example, many people probably have small subsegmental PEs. Think about it. There are times when you're walking along and you say, Mm what was that feeling that you may have experienced in your chest? Could that have very well been a subsegmental PE? We know that the diagnosis of subsegmental PEs have increased over the last several years, and most of that's related to the advances in technology. The data would suggest that these this diagnosis have increased from 5 to up to 10% currently. So I think, first of all, just the occurrence of subsegmental PEs has increased. Now, the next question becomes, should we be treating these patients who have subsegmental PEs? The most recent guidelines of the ACCP says that in individuals who are considered low risk with subsegmental pulmonary emboli and those who have adequate or appropriate home scenarios, these individuals we should probably treat on an outpatient basis. But again, it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks. So there are many barriers that prevents or prohibits us from treating these patients on an outpatient basis, despite what the data suggests. I think there are things that include Uh, Just again, treating patients in the inpatient setting. This is the way that most of us were trained. If a person has a pulmonary embolism, you treat them in the inpatient setting. Logistical barriers may also prohibit treating on an outpatient basis, such as getting serial ultrasonography.
0: Now let's take a different look at it. Hospital costs for acute P.E.
1: There was a really interesting study done by uh, Fanicos looking at hospital costs of acute P.E. It was published in the American Journal of Medicine back in 2013.
0: The mean total hospitalization cost for treating a patient with P.E. in the retrospective study was $8,764.
1: Nursing costs, which included room and board, were the largest component, where the mean expense was about $5,000.
0: Mean pharmacy and radiology costs were similar, just under $1,000 respectively.
1: The total hospital expenditure over the six-and-a-half-year observation period was $8.6 million, and these prices were quoted over a decade ago back in 2013, so I'm sure there's some inflation at play here.
0: So what is our practice doing about these updated guidelines?
1: We're starting to calculate S-PESI scores on all of our pulmonary embolism patients. I suppose that it would be wise to just get this score implemented into our EMR so that we could potentially calculate it automatically, or at least near automatically, to help guide our practice and discharge of these patients in the hospital.
0: Jermaine, should we immediately start discharging
2: all patients home with an S-PESI of zero? Well, I think as adopters of evidence-based medicine, it seems that most people within our group are in agreement that individuals who have a simplified pulmonary embolism severity index that puts them into a low-risk category, suggesting that they have a 30-day mortality rate less than 1.1%, these individuals should strongly be considered for discharge home with close uh, outpatient follow-up.
1: One of the barriers that we haven't discussed yet was access to these medications. So our emergency department has case managers who can ensure that these patients have appropriate follow-up and are able to get their prescription filled properly. But I know that's not necessarily feasible or realistic in all centers. Um, So how do we kind of temper that situation elsewhere?
2: Well, you know, it's obviously a major concern, especially with the changing climate as it relates to the cost in healthcare. It's a major concern that your patients, once discharged, have access to the appropriate medications, especially if it's considered a life-saving medication, such as anticoagulation therapy in patients with thromboembolic disease. Patients can have various barriers, whether it's related to the insurance or out-of-pocket expenses, and this is something that should certainly be looked into prior to discharge. But I think putting appropriate programs and processes in place that will capture this and assist when necessary would be most beneficial.
0: Absolutely. Over the last few years, the access to these medicines has improved and our case management support has improved. This seems to be less of an issue at our shop than it used to be.
2: You know, one of the big questions is out there is that with the changing data that supports treating low-risk patients at home, a big question is whether or not insurances will still pay for patients that are being admitted. If we try to treat them the old way where we admit patients despite having low risk, this is something that we need to start considering because insurance companies may stop payment for these type of admissions. Yeah, could happen. Give us your final thoughts, Jermaine. Well, I think that we should certainly consider sending our low-risk pulmonary embolism patients home straight from the emergency department, especially if the evidence and the risk-stratifying tools would support them and place them in the low-risk category. This would avoid unnecessary hospital bills, and in the area of risk stratification, we should be checking at least a simplified pulmonary embolism severity index, or S-PESI score, on all patients with pulmonary emboli in the emergency department at a minimum. If we're not sending them home, we should probably consider admitting them to observation with a plan to get them out of the hospital quickly.
1: Well, thanks for listening, y'all. If you're already doing this, or if you have a different scoring system that you prefer, or if you have a streamlined process with your uh, hospital administrators and case management, please let us know in the comments section on the show notes. You can find those at palmcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until then, keep breathing, keep streaming, and keep reading.